I'm just grateful the Lord gives us a little bit of self-control. Helps us to grow in that sometimes. Because sometimes when I look at people and they give me a certain look, I just think, and I have to be reminded I'm in a different context. So like for a moment there, I was just thinking coaching. And it's like when people don't listen, you just start yelling. It's like take a lap. And it's just, I don't know, that's what I was thinking about running through my mind was you taking a lap around the gym for not listening. But I'm joking, sort of. I'm really grateful that you're all here, and uh, today we're going to close up our time in Galatians, and I'm aware this morning, this happens every year about this time until the time changes where that sun, so I'm going to move this at different points back, because that sun will just beat on me at different points. Um, Anyway, so we are in Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. We're going to finish this thing out, so let me read it, and then we'll pray together. The Apostle Paul writes the following. He says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be together, to gather in this context as members of Christ's body. We thank you for the gift of fellowship, that we can come together, encourage one another, build one another up in the faith. Lord, we thank you for your many evidences of grace in our lives. We thank you for the way in which you pour out your Spirit upon us and fill us that, Lord, the fruit of the Spirit would just be at work and growing in our lives. And we thank you for the gifts that you give to us, that, Lord, we can use them to honor and glorify you and to be your witnesses. And, Lord, we thank you for your Word, Lord, for speaking to us, for being very clear in revealing who you are, and who we are, and who Christ is, and how we should respond to Christ. And Lord, revealing the things that you've called us to do. And so Lord, I ask that you would continue to soften our hearts as we finish out our time in this letter. Lord, that you would take these words and you would help us. Help us to know them, help us to Uh, hide them in our hearts, and Lord, we ask that you ultimately would cause them to bear a lot of fruit, that we would grow, we would grow in our faith, 
And Lord, we'd grow in our love for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So have you noticed how people like to boast? You ever notice that? Like pe- people like to brag. There's different ways in which people do that, but by boast here I mean glory in, which sounds kind of holy, you know, like so when we're talking about boasting here, like to glory in or to take pride in or to rejoice in someone or something. And so people like to do that. And when I say people, I mean all of us, don't we? All of us at some point in our lives like to boast about something. And I would say some of us more than others. Because we're all looking for something either about ourselves, our identity, our community, our stuff, and or who we are to rejoice in and feel good about who we are or where we're at in life. And so we end up typically boasting about those things in our lives that that give us a sense of value or bring us some sort of meaning or something that just makes us feel kind of good about ourselves. And so parents typically like to boast about their kids and their children's achievements. Some people like to boast about their education and where they went to school. Others like to boast about their job and how hard they work. Some people like to boast about how much money they make and all this cool stuff that they've been able to buy and use. Fishermen like to boast about what? About the fish. They they don't typically boast about the fishing. They typically boast about the catching, the stuff they actually bring into the boat and land. Hop on social media and you'll find a lot of people boasting about the way they look or how great and disciplined they are at working out. You'll even find people boasting about food, the food they cook, or the amazing places they go to eat with their amazing spouse and they take a picture of it and it looks really cool and they might just say, I'm just documenting it. But there's a little bit of boasting in it. I'm not trying to point anything out or correct anybody in at this point. It's just, it's just who we are. We, we like to tell other people about the things that make us happy. Or in this way, the things that we take great pride in or the things that we rejoice in or the things that we glory in. And so you see pictures of food and you see great dates and you see great vacations with great people and it just looks like a lot of fun. You also will find people boasting in their talents as they show off their skills, things like decorating, woodworking, hitting a baseball, catching a football, making a tackle, throwing a disc, changing a tire, repairing a dryer, cutting somebody's hair or getting your hair cut. Some people like to boast about singing Some people think they have great voices and they like to glory in the gift that God has given them. And so you see them sitting in front of a piano and it's just the picture right there and they're just looking and they're they're singing a song for you, for the world to know. And again, don't hear me say, I'm not necessarily saying these things are wrong. I'm just saying we're boasting in this stuff. 
At the end of the day, we're, we're letting people know that I think I'm pretty good at this. And I find great joy in these things. And I'm really passionate about doing this. I'm not here to knock anybody for that because I, I don't. If you follow me on any social media, I, you don't see me post much about anything. But there is one thing I do post about. And probably not many of you will even ever see it. Because it's part of a disc golf chat. Or not chat, or group. And so if you, there's a few of you in that. And so the only time I post is when somebody that I know and that I've played with does something spectacular. I make sure I document that. And really what I'm doing in those moments, I'm boasting that I know this person who just threw an ace. And I think you should know about it too. And I think you should like it. You should love it. And you should put a lot of really good comments about it. Because what it does, I'm just letting it what it does in my heart, is it makes me feel good. They're usually not pictures of me, by the way. I usually get beat almost every time I play. But they're pictures of my friends who play this. And it's fun. And so I get it. So I'm not knocking. If you're a great decorator, you go out to eat and you do all these things. I'm just saying at the end of the day, what we're doing is boasting. And I'm not even saying stop doing that. Somebody else might or you might feel that way. But the reality is we just like to boast. We like to tell people the cool things that we're doing. And then there's the other side of this. There's the people out there, and we all fit into this category at times where we feel like it, and maybe we don't have the guts to do it, but, but there's other folks out there that don't feel like they ever do anything cool. And they see those really cool pictures of the food you just cooked, or they see how you just decorated this house, and it's awesome, and, and they see your life, and it just looks amazing, and instead of entering into that joy, sometimes there's this opposite, there's this critical judgment that takes place, and there can be a trend of, well, you show me all your cool stuff. I'm instead, I'm going to show you all the very uncool things that are present in my life. Or maybe in a different way of saying it, I'm just going to show you how I'm ordinary, how I'm not above average in any of these things, which is really all of us. And so it's a different way of boasting, if you know what I'm talking about. Instead of me showing you all the cool things I can do, instead I'm going to show you the things I'm not really good at. So I'm going to just show you the real me. So here's my messy house. Or here's my really bad disc golf throw. That, that stuff's out there too. It's just, you find something cool, I guarantee somebody else is going to boast in the opposite. The reality is we, we all like to boast about something. And so my question is, what do you boast about? And chances are it's going to be the thing you're really passionate about. It's going to be the thing you, you sit down with your friends that you immediately start talking about. So one of the things, the other thing, that if you sit around me long enough, you're going to hear me talk about a guy by the name of Mitch Rapp a lot. Like it even made it in my message right there at that moment, not planned. And the reality or the reason for that is because I, I've been listening to a lot of books by Vince Flynn talk about this fake guy named Mitch Rapp. And so if you've been my friend long enough and you've been around, I just talk about it because I, I like him for some reason at this point in my life. So my question is, what do you boast about? What do you find great passion? What do you rejoice in? What do you take great pride in? What, when you start talking about, sort of brings a smile to your face? See, we're all boasters. But what we're going to learn here today is that there's really only one thing that we should take great pride in. There's one thing above all other things that we should find ourselves 
rejoicing in or glorying in. And that is the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what we're going to learn from our text this morning as we close out this letter is that since we are justified by faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, we should only boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should only boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in many ways, here's what I'm going to do with this prop or this main sort of point today, that first part, since we've been justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today, really not much more than just this right here, because we've spent the entire letter talking about, reviewing, studying this truth that salvation comes to us By faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. We are justified. We are declared righteous and forgiven of all of our sins because of what Christ has accomplished for us through his life and his death on the cross. Having paid it all. Meaning he's paid the penalty for all of our sins. And since that is true, Paul ends this letter with just this point that If we're going to boast about something, it should be about that. If we're going to find joy in anything, it should be that. And so to help us understand sort of what it looks like to boast in the cross, or in this case, to live a cross-centered life, we're going to take a look at six points. And just so you know, if you're taking notes and your mind works like mine does, not all points are going to be equal in time and length. Okay, So if if point number one is long, just think, man, are we ever going to get done? We'll get done, I promise. Don't get hung up on on how long a certain point goes because some are shorter than others. So in our first point, we learned that a cross-centered life is one that is marked by humility and not pride. A cross-centered life is one that's marked by humility and not pride. So as Paul closes out this letter to the Galatians, what he did, if you could imagine, he's, he's, he's sort of dictating what the Lord has breathed into him to some scribe who is writing down what Paul is, is, is communicating or wants to be communicated to the Galatians. And so that scribe's been writing this entire letter, and it's now time to close it. And what Paul does is he walks over and he grabs the pen. And he does this. He says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. And so what he's trying to communicate here through these large letters, I think, are just two things. There's probably more, but two sort of stand out. One is, this letter was really written by Paul. This was his handwriting. So he's saying, look at these letters. These letters are different than the other ones. These are my letters. I wrote this closing with my hands so that you know without a shadow of a doubt that I, the Apostle Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, called and gifted by God, wrote this letter to you. And so in a sense, without really boasting, what he's saying is there's authority here. Authority given to me from God to write this letter to you. And then the second one, I think, what he's trying to get at, and this is the one I I like, I like both of them, but I like this one, is he's, he's making a loud statement with large letters. He's looking to get our attention in the same way that 
when you send a text off and, and you really want to say no, what was something you do? If you really want to say no to somebody, what would you do? Or yes. Caps, right? You just, you make, you make the words bigger. Some people like to text and all they have are just caps. And you've got to ask them, can you please shut it down a little bit? For some reason, because it annoys people. It's because you feel like somebody's yelling at you. And what they're doing is they're making a point. And so Paul's making a point. He's just saying, this is important. This whole letter's important. It's important that, that you understand these truths that I'm communicating to you. And so this whole letter's also been just full of passion. Communicating this huge truth that a person is justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone and not by works of the law. And he goes on to actually write these words in verse 12. He says, it is those, referring to false teachers, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. And so he's closing out this letter, and what he's going to do, and you're going to see here as we work through this, is he's comparing and contrasting false teachers with himself. He's trying to help us understand what, what it looks like Ultimately, when we get to, I think, verse 14, what it looks like to be cross-centered, what it looks like to glory in the cross, what it looks like to rejoice in the cross. And basically, in the beginning, he's saying, these false teachers don't do that. They're not cross-centered. They don't actually love the cross. And it's evident in who they are and what they teach and And really why they teach what they teach. Because they're arrogant. They're proud. He tells us that their motivation for their false teaching really was self-interest. They wanted to make a good showing in the flesh. So they forced the Galatians to be circumcised. They said, you can believe in Jesus. Now, the Galatians here primarily were were Gentiles, not Jews. And so they're saying, you can believe in Jesus, but you can't be saved by believing in Jesus alone. You need to believe in Jesus and you need to be circumcised and you need to obey the law. Basically, they're saying, you can believe in Jesus, but you can't really continue to live like a Gentile. You need to really be like us, a Jew. You need to think what we think and you need to do what we do in order for God to fully save you. And what he's saying is, the reason they did this was not to serve the Gentiles or to serve the Galatians. It was really just to make a good showing in the flesh. They weren't looking to serve anyone but themselves. They were looking to make as many disciples of their own teaching as possible so that they ultimately kind of looked good in the eyes of others. Their ministry was about them being served and not serving. It was sort of a popularity contest for them, if you will. They were proud and their false teaching was rooted in their pride. They're also motivated by the fear of man. So they forced the Galatians to be circumcised so they themselves would not be persecuted. And so there was some fear. 
there was some fear that these false teachers, if they allowed these Galatians to just believe in Jesus and not become like the Jews through circumcision and the law, that they then would be persecuted because that's what happened to people who believed in Jesus Christ alone. I mean, you think about it, that's what happened to our Savior who came and proclaimed all these truths to the Jews, right? What did they do? They hung him on a cross. And so in their fear of man or in their pride, they didn't just teach that. Because they knew if they taught that truth alone, they themselves would be persecuted. And so they were proud. Paul also tells us that these false teachers were hypocrites. Verse 13, he says, For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. And so they taught people, you need to be circumcised and you need to obey the law to be saved. And Paul's saying, they're teaching you this, but they're not doing it themselves. They're hypocrites. And hypocrisy is rooted in pride. It's all talk with the hope of making oneself look good to cover up the fact that they're not as good as they actually say they are. These hypocrites were proud men looking only to serve themselves, forcing people to be circumcised so that they could boast in their followers and not be persecuted for their teaching. One commentator said it like this. He said, Paul's point was that the Jews wanted ecclesiastical statistics So many circumcisions in a given year was certainly something to boast about. It's very interesting as I was studying this and thinking through this and and different commentators and stuff would make comments on that. And so really what's kind of going on here is they're telling people to be circumcised and the way my mind thinks about it and I think the way this commentator was was talking about it was like they're going back and reporting and saying, man, we, we had a great outreach on Saturday night. We went down and we hung out down in the city, and we we were just proclaiming this teaching, and you wouldn't believe how many people signed up to follow Jesus and be circumcised, to become like us. We, We got 200 commitments. That's kind of what he's saying there. Because that was celebrated in some context, in some circle. And so if your mind's thinking what my mind thinks, when that, it, it's, it's, it's right, I think. It's where you hear people talk about at times, and I'm not saying this is completely wrong, but you hear it. We had a great Easter Sunday. We had 500 more people show up to church than a typical Sunday. And on that Sunday, we baptized 100 people. And you, and you hear that. That's kind of what's, what's, what's being communicated through this at the end. It's, it's more about the numbers than it is about the message. So there's a little bit of boasting going on in this context here. And so to them, it was all about human achievement. However, living a cross-centered life is not about human achievement. It's not. It's all about what Jesus has achieved for us through his life and ultimately his death on the cross paying the penalty for all of our sins. True faith and true religion is always rooted and grounded in the cross of Jesus Christ and nothing more. 
nothing more. So for us, the application is sort of clear. The only thing that we could possibly take great pride in and boast about when it comes to our own salvation or other people getting saved, it is not our own achievements. But Paul's writing this letter. You don't save yourself. You don't. God saves us through faith in Jesus Christ alone. He paid the penalty for all of our sins. Dying a sacrificial death in our place, exhausting the wrath of God. He saves us. All we do is simply receive Him by faith. And oh, by the way, it's faith that He gives to us. And so when we think about salvation like that, and Paul's been laying this out for us in Galatians, the question is, what's left to take pride in, in regards to who we are or how we got here. You see, these false teachers were proud, taking great pride in human achievement. And what Paul's saying here and trying to help us understand is that a cross-centered life is a humble life. One where we don't boast in who we are and the achievements we may or may not have made. Our boast is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.31, he says that the one who boasts, so he's assuming we're going to boast, but he's saying the one that boasts, he says, must boast in the Lord. It takes humility to boast in the Lord. It takes humility to take our eyes off of ourselves. Humble people do not trust in themselves, but instead they trust in Jesus Christ alone. This leads us to our second point. A cross-centered life boasts only in Jesus Christ and not in oneself. So Paul goes on to contrast himself with the false teachers by saying, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the false teachers took great pride in their own achievements, but not Paul. And if you think about it, if anyone had something to take great pride in in regards to maybe giftings or how God is using him and the number of churches he might have planted or helped start plant or guys he's raised up to disciple, to be elders in local churches, Paul Paul has a lot to take great pride in, to rejoice in, but that's not what he does. He says, far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. David Platt, writing about boasting, he said, boasting in the cross implies that you place your confidence in Christ and his work for your salvation. You are not trusting in your religious work for your salvation. Cross exalters rest everything in what Christ has done. Cross exalters believe that Jesus lived the life we could not live and died the death that we should have died. Those who boast in the cross simply say, this is for my peace. Jesus died in my place. Boasting in the cross implies that God accepts you because of the work of Christ. I mean, that's ultimately 
Paul's been trying to get this point across throughout the entire letter. You don't save yourself. God saves us through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And he's the one that gives us this faith. And so we boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The only reason any of us are loved by God is because Jesus died for all of our sins. The only reason any of us have the hope of eternal life is because Christ has secured that for us through his perfect life and his sacrificial death on the cross for us. The only reason we have any spiritual blessings is because those are ours through faith in Christ Jesus who died for all of our sins, securing those things for us. We, we don't do things to earn them. God is gracious and merciful and he gives them to us through faith in his son Jesus. And so again, if you, if you hear this, like what I'm trying to do here, because I feel like this is what Paul's doing, is, is he's really helping us to see the boundary lines in regards to what we should take great pride in and what we shouldn't. Meaning, we, we don't place our hope in ourselves. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. And so our boast is in Jesus and not ourselves. Everything we have is because of God's mercy and grace. And it sort of finds its its peak in the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Leads us to our third point. A cross-centered life follows Jesus and not the world. A cross-centered life follows Jesus and not the world. See, the cross not only saves us, it also frees us from the power, and I would say, and the cares of this world. It, 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 it sets us apart. It makes these two things sort of dead to one another. And so here's how Paul says it. He says, Far be it from me except that I should boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Through the cross and through our salvation by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, the world is dead to us. That's what he's saying. He's saying, because of the cross and because I've been saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, the world is dead to me. And I am dead to the world. They, they, don't, they don't work together anymore. There's, there's a change that has taken place, and that change is not the world. The change is our hearts. Because that's what happens when we get saved. We, we get changed. The Lord changes us. He sets us apart from this world and the world becomes dead to us and, and we're dead to the world. We part ways with the world. And so a cross-centered life is really, in a, in a nutshell, it's, it's not a worldly life. A cross-centered life, it really looks like somebody picking up a cross, denying themselves, and following Jesus. It means we live in this world, but we don't love this world. We don't live for the things that this world has to offer us because in the end, we know we've been given something so much better than this world could ever offer us. And so a cross-centered life does not look like this world. 
doesn't live for the things of this world. And I would say a cross-centered life recognizes that this world, it, it just does not ever satisfy. It doesn't satisfy. You, you can have all the money in the world and not be happy. And if you don't believe me, just talk to anybody in this room. Talk to somebody older who's, who's maybe had the stuff that they've always wanted. And I'm, what they're probably going to tell you is, is it doesn't ever deliver. It doesn't deliver like Christ delivers. They don't even compare. And all the things in this world, what do they do? They just wear out, don't they? They just wear out. New cars get old. New houses have to be remodeled to stay relevant and exciting. I see this all the time in, in, with the kids, my kids, and other kids that I coach. and It shows up like this. So you're going to practice, and you're all excited. Or maybe you're going to hang out, and you're going to do something, and, and you're all excited for this. And then what happens is that joy sort of is gone after a bit because it eventually becomes work. That's not to say there's things in this world that aren't fun. There there are many things the Lord has given to us in this world that are fun, that that sort of satisfy for a moment. But the reality is if you live long enough and if you live a cross-centered life, what you will recognize about all things in this world is they, they sort of fall just a little short, don't they? Of really bringing that full joy that we were created to enjoy. Well, we know where that joy and that satisfaction is found. It's found in the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because it's found in Him. Where we created to know Him and to worship Him and to follow Him. And so a cross-centered life follows Jesus and it doesn't follow the things of this world. In our fourth point, we learned that a cross-centered life focuses on the heart and not one's behavior. So the cross has done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And by that I mean we, we can't save ourselves. You can't be good enough on your own to make God love you and fully accept you. Scripture is really clear. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are deserving of God's wrath. It also teaches us that uh, we have, uh, or we were dead in our transgressions. We were dead in our sins, but God is the one who makes us alive. And so a cross-centered life, it focuses on the heart and not one's behavior. And so Paul writes it like this. He says, verse 15, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And so, one last time, what he's saying again is, you just can't save yourself. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or if you're not circumcised. That's not how a person actually gets saved. A person actually gets saved by believing in Jesus Christ alone. That's how we get saved. David Platt wrote the following. He said, Christianity is not about being a nice person. It's not about trying harder or just being religious. It's about becoming a new person, or in this case, a new creation, as Paul says it. 
And this new life is made possible by the cross. And so the entire letter, really, he's been hammering this point. And the reason he hammers this point, and, and what I love about being in this letter is, is that we need this reminder probably every day. Because our default is to control. Our default is to make us better or make them better or to get somebody in this place. But if you've heard anything throughout Galatians, the thing we need to hear is that only God can do that. Only faith in Jesus Christ alone changes us from the inside out. Those desires you want your husband to have or those desires you want your wife to have or those desires you want your kids to have, you can't give them those things. It doesn't mean we don't have rules and we put boundaries in place and we guide them, but we've seen the the law serves a purpose. And that purpose is to lead us to Christ because the law doesn't save us. The law works on the outward, the behavior. And in the end, what it shows us is we're not good enough. But the cross shows us that, yeah, you're not good enough, but Christ who died in your place makes you good enough. That's what it means to be justified. And I sort of paraphrase it. It means you're forgiven of all your sins and you're declared righteous. And that's what makes us acceptable. But only God can do that. And it starts on the inside, in the heart. And we can't do this. This is why, as well, I spent a lot of time, I think, in Galatians, talking to parents and trying to figure out ways, okay, how does this apply to parents? Because A lot of us are parents, and raising kids is hard. And ultimately, at the end of the day, what we want is we want our kids to love Jesus. We want them to pick up a cross and joyfully follow him. We don't ever want them to make a mistake. We don't want them to be like us and screw up in all these ways. We want them to learn from our mistakes. This is me talking about myself here. I'm not saying you do this. And so we can begin to control them. But what we're learning here is what our kids need most, and I'm not saying they don't need rules, but what they need most from mom and dad is they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to hear that Jesus is the Son of God, whom he sent into this world to live in our place and to die on a cross where he was brutally beaten. His blood was poured out body was broken. He was killed on that cross to pay the full penalty for all of our sins. And we need to trust as parents that that is the power of God to save people because you can't make a rule that will change their heart. They need to hear the gospel. And it's not just our kids that need to hear it. We need to hear it every day because that's what changes the heart. In our fifth point, we learn the following. A cross-centered life walks in truth and not in error. Verse 16, Paul says, And as for all who walk in this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So the word rule here in the Greek is, is canon. That's where we would get our English canon of Scripture. But in this context, it's, it's talking about that for sure, the, the Scriptures. But in the context, it's also referring to the Gospel. And so this is where I would say, we're called to walk in the good of the gospel. Paul's saying, for those who walk in the good 
of the gospel, that Christ died on the cross for all of our sins. Those who walk in the good of this gospel, may peace and mercy be upon them. And I would say this, if you walk in the good of the gospel, you will experience God's peace and you will experience his mercy. Because your life will be rooted and grounded in Christ and not the things of this world. You want to root and ground your life in your marriage or in your parenting or in your car or in your job. You might have peace for just a little bit, but I guarantee it will be gone one day. Because all those things change. But when we live in the good of the gospel, what he's saying here is there's peace and there's mercy in abundance. It's objective. It's true. It doesn't change. Then in our final point, we learn this. A cross-centered life seeks to please Jesus and not man. Verse 17 and 18, he closes out and he says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Unlike the false teachers, Paul did not avoid preaching the gospel because he was afraid to be persecuted. What he's saying in the end was, I've suffered. You want to talk about flesh? Look at my flesh. It's broken. It's beaten. Because I've preached this gospel. So I would say, a cross-centered life. Somebody who is picking up their cross, following Jesus, trusting in Christ's finished work on the cross, seeks to please Christ and not man. See, if you live a cross-centered life, if you love the cross, and you recognize that it is your only hope for salvation, then then you're going to suffer. You'll you'll be persecuted in some way or another at some point in your life if you cling to this truth. Kind of what Paul's getting at there. Look, Look at my body. I didn't shrink away from the cross. And this is what's happened to me. And we find him still writing this letter. Still encouraging the church to trust in Jesus Christ. Not shying away from it because he wants to please men. Because he knows if you want to please men, nobody gets saved. Nobody gets saved. People get saved by trusting in Christ alone. Christ alone. The church, I want to just encourage you in closing. Pick up your cross. Survey the cross. Study the cross. You can like a lot of things. Those things I mentioned earlier. You might like food and you might like your singing and your voice or throwing a disc or whatever. Like those things. But may your boast, may our only boast, May the thing that we're most passionate about, the things that we talk most about, may it be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we glory in, may we take great pride in and rejoice in the fact that our Savior, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for all of our sins so that we'd be forgiven That we'd be declared righteous. We'd be accepted by God forever because of who He is and what He's done for us. Amen? Amen. If I could have the band join me. We're going to close out our time, this series, just by singing a song together. So if you could please stand.